Coming up, readings beyond the raffle and Theoryland approved conjecture. Deep dive into the spells and scrolls of nerd culture. Absorb Stormlight. Home sympathy. Harness Sayadar and Sayadeen. This is Phantology. You may have heard of us. What's up, Shine Irons? This is Steven, your host from Photology, along with my lifelong friend Josh, talking about the season finale, episode eight of The Wheel of Time, season one. And uh, this is a finale that we've already seen a lot of opinions on and seems to be fairly divisive, right? Yeah, that's the first thing I said when I turned off the TV. I was watching with two non-book readers that have really enjoyed the series so far. And we're kind of going around saying what we thought. And the first thing I was said was, this is going to be divisive before I had like been on discord, seen anything. I just said, this is going to, yeah, this is going to pull fans apart here. Yeah. Yeah. And let's, you know, we'll kind of get into our opinions and reasons why we think it was good and not, I thought it was pretty up and down. And honestly, after the first watch, I was like, I didn't like that very much. I, I had a lot of issues and then I went back and I watched it again and I liked it more the second time um, to the point where I think I, I did overall, like it like i'm not gonna say i disliked it i don't think it was my favorite episode i can see probably some reasons why they made some decisions that they did but uh, i could you know i'll respect people that say they didn't like it because like you said it's it's pretty divisive yeah my 30 second take on it was i really liked it as an episode of tv i thought it was well paced and i it kept me yeah i thought the pacing was pretty good yeah 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 but as an adaption it left me so confused and we'll get into the reasons why I guess this is a spoiler warning too, but we'll get into the reasons why, but it mm. left me just scratching my head about some of the choices that were made about where they're going to go from here with some of these character arcs and what is going to, what the heck is going on here <laughs> on out. So yeah. that's, that's where I'm at with it. So we probably should qualify some kind of spoiler warning. And this is a little tricky because obviously with the season finale, we're going to be looking ahead to think like, okay, what is going on here with some choices they made. Let's do this. Let's start with uh, no spoilers past the first book. So we can just kind of like talk about what we liked and didn't like in the season and kind of leave like some vague hints as to what uh, we might expect. And then we'll switch over to do spoilers and we can talk about like, okay, here's what we think this means or doesn't mean. Okay. That sounds fair enough. We'll we'll do our best to, uh, to hold it to that. (laughs) I think that's a good idea. I can do that. Yeah. Okay, and then before we start also, so we previously did a couple episodes ago, we did this like uh, rebuttal of a bunch of arguments that we were not fans of, uh, that some critics and haters of the show have had. And then uh, in, ep- in our episode seven review, uh, we got some comments saying we were too negative on that one after saying that we liked the episode. We mostly talked about things that we didn't like. And I think, you know, to be honest, some of the negativity from the rebuttal episode blood over into that episode so i'm going to try to just like wash my hands of all that stuff and review episode eight for what it was uh it's been a little tricky navigating what we've been trying to do the last couple episodes just being fully transparent Uh, i probably could have done better with that uh 
episode seven review because I liked episode seven. Actually, there were a lot of good things, uh, probably more than this one, but we're going to do good and bad and try to fairly represent what we thought of the episode. Yeah, and we'll also do a full series or full season one review. This is just episode eight. We're not yeah. really going to yeah. get into our overall opinions about the whole series. Yeah, I think that one's going to need more preparation. Oh, yeah. Yeah, we'll try and do a deep dive. We'll try and do a few different uh, episodes about like a deep dive, things you may have missed and things like that. But these are just our thoughts okay. about episode eight. Yeah. Okay, so let's try to, if we can remember, let's try to just kind of like go through maybe like point by or plot point by plot point or character by character and then we'll get to the end and then once we get to the end that'll kind of lead into a spoiler conversation so let's start with the loose theron cold open which is uh everyone's been speculating will we see loose theron or not and we do but it's not this it's not the prologue scene from the books that the winter dragon infamously tried to adapt this is a different scene which actually like was a real scene from the lore i had to look it up because i was not sure but it was, and it seemed to like fairly accurately represent actually what happened in the series. And I think I liked this open. I really like this open. For one, I think that all everyone that was so upset about the opening lines of the arrogance, yeah, exactly, yeah, like, uh-huh. they can take that opinion and just realize. I'll say this tactfully: realize that we should watch the entire season of something before we draw conclusions about mm-hmm. what characters think or what knowledge base they have or how they're accurately re- representing, right, or not accurately right. representing. Like, um, I can see why people were upset about that because that did seem like it was moving away from the lore, but it didn't. Like, we we get back to seeing that there was this yeah this division between men and women, I said I, in the Age of Legends, and the men played offense and the women played defense, pretty much. You know, and was it arrogant of men? Kind of. Was it was it selfish of women? Kind of. Like they both made a bad decision. So yeah, yeah. <laughs> And, and and to remind, if you're not remembering from the from what Josh is referring to, this is like the very opening line of episode yeah. one, right? When Moraine is like, because of the arrogance of men or whatever, that line was the power the was tainted and yeah, yeah, something like that. Yeah. 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 So to just add on to that, right? So based off the knowledge that Moraine has, which is from the female Aes Sedai, like that makes a lot of sense that she would have said that right? But based off of what book readers know after having you know, read the whole series, like, and this you know really that there was series spoilers. This is like kind of lore. We said we yeah, wouldn't yeah, get yeah, spoilers, yeah. but right, right, right. We, we just got to explain to us in this episode. So it's not really a spoiler anymore. Right. Yeah. Right. This is just some, some lore background and it's we're not going to go into Yeah. It's doled out a little yeah. bit more slowly in the book, but now it's been presented in the show. So yeah. I think it's fair game. Yeah. Yeah. So not to go into spoilers, but there is like additional stuff that happens that has not been discussed yet in the show that book readers were upset because they're like, no, it wasn't the arrogance of men. It was men and women who created this whole thing, which is true. But I guess, you know, Moraine doesn't know that. Right. And um, maybe she, you could argue, maybe she should, maybe she shouldn't, but uh, they've kind of leaned into this idea that it's thousands of years ago and information has been lost. And what she does know, I guess, is what the Aes Sedai have passed down, which is that, men caused this thing because Luz Theron was too arrogant and tried to go and attack the Dark One directly. And as a result, the uh, the One Power was tainted, which is all true. Yeah. And we can see a little bit jumping into the ending of this episode. I still want to move plot point by plot point. But we can see mm-hmm. just how much Maureen doesn't know. 
when they get to the what they thought was going to be the eye of the world and we can talk about that more when we get there like uh she's just like well i have the song grill channel into it and hope for the best <laughs> you know like she doesn't know a lot she just knew that she had to do something right and i think that that's a that's a cool story outline and i think it it builds maureen's character that she was acting confident the entire time going on like not very much knowledge and i, I really like that um and i really liked so i really like this cold, cold opening i liked how it framed the rest of the series and gave you some perspective that you didn't have um throughout the throughout the airing of the show this also gets me into a point after this episode i really think this would have been better as just a full drop at once i think that it would have take that it would have helped book readers a lot to be able to sit down and see where all these story arcs go what happens mm -hmm. and you know maybe not be as upset by every little change when they more of oh the, you mean a full drop rather than yeah, three and then weekly plus episodes. one plus one plus one yeah yeah, yeah. i mean mm. i don't know financially how good that would have been for amazon but i think the reception among hardcore fans may have been better mm -hmm. yeah that's a that's an it aside could, but could be yeah the whole like release timing thing it feels like that's something that obviously different studios or different uh streaming companies have different philosophies on yeah well it's just yeah. interesting talking to my my brother-in-law that i've been watching wheel of time with he's pretty big into fantasy uh but has not read wheel of time um, mm -hmm. but he just binge watched the Witcher. He watched it like all in a day. And he just mm -hmm. said that that was like, he, th he likes both shows a lot, but he just loved that experience of being able to like fully immerse himself in that world. He loved, loved season two of the Witcher. And so I just can't help but think that maybe the wheel of time suffered a little bit from that amongst its three from Rafe just did a Q and a yesterday at time of recording. And one, I think the only question that I thought was super interesting was one that was basically, uh, I don't remember what the question actually was, but his response was, we knew going in that hardcore fans might have some issues here. And honestly, we were not trying to cater to them. We're trying to cater to the majority of the audience that's going to watch the show, which makes sense because this is a TV show. We need people to watch in order for the show to be, you know, the show's existence to be justified. So uh, I guess Rape would say like, well, uh, we don't necessarily care if the hardcore fans um, are super offended. Yeah, and that's that's an opinion for sure. Which is uh, I know, which I, is yeah, and I don't want to put yeah. words in his mouth, but you know maybe maybe we'll try and link uh, the Q and A below. But yeah, yeah, and, and maybe that's like kind of an, an unfortunate reality of just like TV. And obviously, look, all we're trying to say is obviously it was on. It was not. It was not possible to make a one to one adaptation. Right. They had to make changes. And maybe we shouldn't harp on this since we already recorded like four videos talking about this. <laughs> but uh, I think they understand the showrunners understand the writers understand that changes had to be made. And so we just want to talk about, you know, what changes make sense, yeah. what could have been better. And, and by saying that changes had to be made, that does not mean we're defending every change because we're going to get into some changes that I have issues with or thoughts about. Um, I'm sure okay. you do, too, Stephen. So, so by saying changes had to be made, that's not us a blanket statement defending every change that they made or every decision they made. But it's just kind of putting it out there that that there's varying you know, mm -hmm. more to the side of making an adaption so straight up retelling. So, yeah. Okay, let's okay. keep moving through the plot of the episode. Yeah. That yeah, was yeah, a long yeah. aside. Yes, sorry for. Yeah, yeah, and that might have been kind of clumsy. So I apologize if that was if I was put, trying to uh, 
I guess, synthesize too much of an idea into one thing. Anyway, um, let's go on. So maybe hard to do plot point by plot point since now the pa the pacing was good and that means that we jumped from group to group. But should we just start with the, let's save random moraine till the end because I think that's going to fit in kind of naturally. But yeah. let's like start with the fall, what was going on in Faldara with Egwene and Nynaeve. And then from there... We'll go to the Perrin Padon Fane portion. <laughs> as much as you can call it that. So I, I really like yeah. some of the these things with uh, Nynaeve and Egwene, especially at the beginning of the episode. It slowed it down a bit, and we got some conversations between Egwene and Nynaeve, and this, I think, was sorely lacking throughout the season. I liked that it took 30 seconds to have them slow down, have a conversation, realize that they still have this relationship of mentor-mentee, kind of, and that Nynaeve, her still singular focus is protecting these kids from the team. Her actually voicing that Egwene was pretty cool. And I think it was interesting. Egwene could listen to the wind still, and I'm not quite sure about the implications of that. But something Yeah, up. I'm going to be honest. I did, I did not understand what exactly um, that line was trying to do. Yeah. But uh, like you said, I did like the, you know, the solidification of that relationship. And then at the end, when... Nynaeve essentially sacrificed herself, although it was a little unclear what was going on with the power being thrown around there. She goes back to the opening line, right? Um, mm -hmm. When they're like in the women's circle in that induction ceremony, when she says, you know, to be a woman is to be alone, but never alone. I think that's what the line was. Might have messed up a little bit, but uh, that was nice to kind of get that call back and um, show how important the relationship Yeah. So um, let's talk about leading up to this sacrifice a little bit. I really 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 like the that they gave Egwene and Nynaeve something to do in this episode um, mm -hmm. and not just have I guess spoilers for the ending of the first book we'll talk about the differences between the show yeah. I guess a bit yeah but I, I think it was nice and that they gave them something to do that they allowed them to fight this army instead of just giving it to Rand to wipe out I think that that would have been clumsily done in the show and better done here um, I really really did not like my least favorite part of this episode was this fake out sacrifice from Nynaeve I just thought it was dumb like <laughs> we've already seen it right it's we've not, already like in the first episode Nynaeve quote-unquote died once right yeah and we we already know that Nynaeve is willing to sacrifice herself for these kids like that's why mm -hmm. she left the two rivers we already know that she loves them and it just brings up a whole host of questions on like, was she dead? Was she not dead? Is it possible to heal somebody from burning out? Like it brings yeah. up these really valid questions. And I'm not one that really gets hung up on these things because I've only read the series one. I'm not like super into all the lore and stuff, but it just, even for like non-readers, it's going to bring up these questions. So like, wait, can you bring people from back from the dead in this universe? And can somebody and I, that's like not very skilled in the power do that? And yeah. Uh, uh, yeah. And so, and I don't want to like, there's big implications for major character arcs from the books about the subject. Right. And so I think that this was just a very strange and baffling decision and probably my least favorite part. And I didn't understand even what was going on until I, after watching the second time, I'm like pretty confident that Egwene was the one who healed her. But the first watch through like Egwene was basically, it seemed like she had, come to terms that she was not going to be able to save her. And then all of a sudden the power just kind of like wrapped itself around nine, even she was fine. 
And so the first time I was like, wait, did someone else do that? Because Egwene's body language was like, I can't do this. But then the second episode, it did seem like, or the second watch through for me, it seemed like the power was coming from her. So I assume that she was the one that healed her. The only other maybe thing that could have been was Rand, like while he was touching the Sangreal, was able to like, no, yeah, but kind that of would like just in the be... book. Go... Yeah, yeah. But, but like, that's the only way that I could like make it work in my head and how this would yeah. make any type of sense. It's is... got to be that Egwene healed her, but it... I agree. I agree with you that it was a bit of a baffling decision. I really would have liked to see Egwene be the one who was basically burned out and Nynaeve heals yeah, her Yeah, I wouldn't again. have liked that either, though, because... No? Well, for one, I think that this was done to show the sacrifices that Nynaeve was willing to make, and I think that's why it was narratively done, and I can understand okay. that, and that's not really Egwene's relationship to Nynaeve. Like, Egwene isn't really there to protect Nynaeve. It's Nynaeve is there to protect Egwene, you know? Yeah, but it would have made sense because Nynaeve's power level is higher than Egwene's, so she would have it been the one to just Sure, it would have made first. sense in that way, but it wouldn't have made really sense narrative. It shouldn't have been... That just shouldn't have happened, in my opinion. Like, there doesn't need to be this mm. fake-out sacrifice of bringing somebody back from the dead, which breaks all this lore. And it's just... It was just totally unneeded and a cheap emotional beat that didn't need to be in the episode. And it dragged the episode down a lot. So, sorry for being too negative. Like, oh... Yeah, no, overall no, no, I yeah. like it, I but mean, this we is want, like we want to be just honest. focusing on this this specific instance in this episode. It was baffling. I don't understand it. <laughs> <laughs> I, I would have liked to see. I mean, assuming that this had to happen, I would have I would have said let's switch places. Egwene makes more sense for her to be the one that's uh, burned out slash dead here. But we've already seen Nynaeve heal land and like everyone else, so maybe we don't need that again. And they were like, okay, let's do something else. I don't know. I, I agree with you that I like that they gave him something to do. I think that was the good decision. Yeah, maybe this is like the worst of the best thing for us. <laughs> no, the, uh, well, I guess, yeah, it was the worst part of a good scene. It yeah. Was, it was strange. <laughs> All right, let's move on. Okay. Because I can't, this is making me upset. I don't want to be upset. Okay, Loyal and Perrin and... Oh my gosh, I just said I don't want to be upset. And then you bring up this spotlight. I, so this was another thing that I liked. I think the theme of this is I liked some decisions. I didn't like other aspects of them. I really like Pat on Fane having something kind of cool to do and establishing him as a bigger and like more competent villain than the crazy guy from the books. I think that was good. Yeah. I think that they're nailing Pot and Fane. And this is something that even like Sanderson struggled with um, when he was writing his books. I'm going to stay away from spoilers, but like he's talked about how Pat and Fane was, was hard to do for him. Yeah. It seemed like he didn't really know what to do there. Yeah. And, and so I think that this is the show learning from, you know, from the choices that he made and moving it in a, in a better, more thoughtful direction. Um, Especially Mm -hmm. because they have the benefit of seeing the whole series and, how he fits into things. And yeah. I, so I really, really liked it. It was menacing seeing these two fades just falling in lockstep, lockstep behind. Like mm-hmm. that was pretty, that was pretty powerful. Um, right. Yeah. Because especially for non-readers, like you've seen the fades and how terrifying they are. Now here's this guy who has been sus for a while, but now he comes in and he can control not one, but two fades. Yeah. And, and fades control you know, like a thousand Trollocs. Like it, it was pretty mm-hmm. cool. Um, so I did like that. Uh, let's, I guess let's move. Let's talk about maybe a little bit more before <laughs> the ending of the storyline. Um, I think that it was, I don't know. What did you think of the horn of Valir just being, 
being uh, well so in the books in the books they find the horn at the eye of the world right i don't think it's a big change i think that this was fine yeah yeah and it's going to set up for a second season like this is a good setup for a second season where now pat on fane is established as a a big villain i would assume for season two and he's got the horn and they've got to go get the horn so i think in that way it's cool and it's gonna be pretty similar to book two at least there yeah i agree i think that this was cool um it gives uh tarwin's gap something else like that Mm -hmm. they're guarding not not just but it just gives them it gives it additional weight than protecting from the blight however non-book readers are probably like what the heck is this horn (laughs) yes yes um which you were watching you were watching with some of your family that hasn't read right yeah yeah to both is that is that what they is that what they said (laughs) i don't think they even noticed like the reference to the the horn they just i think they just knew that something important was the mix that he walked away with okay it would have why didn't we see that it would have been cool to see the horn maybe yeah i don't know um like take the horn out of the box let's see it maybe maybe the horn doesn't exist yet (laughs) yeah maybe it doesn't exist and maybe they want to leave it a little bit like ambiguous for season two you know Mm. um but yeah, I thought that was fine. Now, or maybe okay. maybe the horn isn't there. Maybe he took the box thinking it was the horn, and it's not actually the horn. The horn's somewhere else. I, I don't know. know. Who knows? That, that would be lame. <laughs> Too much. Okay. Too much. Okay. So can we move into my next least favorite thing about this episode? So you probably didn't like that. Loyal is maybe dead. What the heck, man? He got well. He got stabbed by the dagger from Shadow. Yeah, it was. It it seemed like it was the dagger, right? Like. Fane was definitely stabbing him and then he you see the dagger like he's tucking it away so it would make sense that it was the dagger from Shatter Logoth which means that like even if Loyal was able to survive his injuries there would be an additional complication there which makes me think that Loyal like could be dead yeah and if that's the case what the heck like that is just if Loyal is dead what what are they doing? Like they know that this is a fan favorite character and they didn't uh, uh, fan favorite from the books. And the thing is, I don't think that show like people that have just watched the show care enough about loyal to be like, Oh, this was a devastating Mm -hmm. loss, you know? And it wasn't even on screen. It wasn't even, they zoomed in on his face as he got stabbed. It was just kind of like, I know that was the thing. Like it would have been a super unsatisfying. Like if he died, like, come on, like Hodor got a better death. Right, like, Hodor got a that much was, better death. That was emotional, like, and I think Hodor's death was one of the best things about. Yeah, Game I guess I, I have I have subconsciously linked Loyal and Hodor together. A <laughs> little bit of a strange connection. Yeah, well, you know, both like large characters that are fan favorites and like have small subplots. I don't know, but okay, yeah, the but death was unsatisfying. Very... If he, if he died, if he died, it was unsatisfying. Yeah, very confusing. And Uno, I don't know if we got Uno's death in there. It seemed like Uno was like still alive. He was maybe kind of struggling. But why would they? Okay, but then why would they leave him alive if they have two fades? And I don't know. Like then that's also just kind of dumb for just leaving people, potential enemies, just alive up and tattered. But and you would assume if they were, you would assume if they were stabbed with the fades blade, then they would like that's not just a normal sword that would right. be you know like we saw moraine's injury was yeah and that was just from a trollock i believe if i remember right from season yeah. one anyway so even if they survived they'd be in bad shape 
and everyone that can channel was like just eliminated. Well, not even Egwene could come in and maybe do some healing. Or or even Rand. Maybe that's again when he was like controlling the one. I don't know. This is just Dude, Rand. Yeah. Okay. We'll talk about Rand in a second. Yeah. But this is just very. The thing is, these weren't large parts of the whole episode. Like they, there were quick scenes. Mm-hmm. But it was just very, very weird. Like, why did they do? It's just like, why did they do this? You know, like, it's. I, I can't come up with an explanation, honestly. Yeah. Like, they maybe they just they, wanted, they they wanted more things to happen in the finale. That's like the only explanation I can have. And there's a lot of stuff that happened in the finale, a lot of unanswered questions, and like obviously things were we're speculating on that we're not going to get answers to until next year, late next year for season two. Okay. Okay. Anything else? I was also sad that, so Perrin like still doesn't do anything. Yeah. To me, I, this didn't bother me as much because I think that part, I think that this is part of his character is not knowing what, and I think it's fine that they haven't resolved that here. And I think that it, it, it hits home that not doing something and not knowing what to do can still cost lives and still, you know, is a not the ideal route to go. Like doing nothing is well, ideal. It seems strange to me that he was like trying to find them, and like he he just got like duped or something. He ran off down the corridor and he came back too late. Yeah, yeah, that was kind of strange. Yeah. Perrin. So, spoiler for my review of the entire season, but I think Perrin was maybe my least favorite part of the entire season because it just seemed like they didn't know what to do with him. He doesn't really. Like, he has very few scenes where he's actually accomplishing it. Yeah, that's true. Um, I think that they relied a lot on this trauma that he went through with killing his wife, and that was his mm-hmm. character arc was dealing with that. But again, like, you don't really get much of an arc with that. He's dealing with it, still yeah. dealing with it, and still dealing with it. So. Hoping for better things in and, future and, seasons with Perrin. <laughs> yeah, and I think that, I think overall the whole freakout amongst a lot of people about the love triangle in episode seven was kind of over. Like they're not leaning into it that hard. They're just recognizing that, Mm -hmm. like, Hey, maybe if you have two people that just got split off from the rest of the group and maybe thought that all of their friends were dead and are very, very close friends that maybe it would make sense that you would be jealous of them. Like I I thought that was fine. Uh, I'm glad that they're not leaning into it more and that like, yeah, yeah. like they both love Rand. Even even if they may have started to develop feelings for each other, it's just like a hard no pursuing that. I think that's like a realistic thing that might that would happen. But so I thought that that freakout was up for episode. Yeah, seven. they were just uh, they were just throwing some good old fashioned teen angst into episode yes. seven. Yeah. yeah, and they didn't even spend that much time on it. It's not something. Yeah, yeah, we're and, over that. And sorry, I'm giving my opinion on that because I wasn't on that episode. But I did think that that showed that that did set up some for some interesting dynamics between Rand and Perrin for later on in the series. They don't always. I thought that. Yeah, they for sure. Foreshadowed that. Anyway, sorry for all these. One standards. other, one other quick thing on this part. So there was a quick scene with Matt, and I don't know when they recorded this or or what, but the scene was it looked like Matt going into Shatter Logoth looking very haggard as uh, we've come to uh, see him looking lately and uh, so he didn't get the dagger back I was I was thinking that perhaps he would get the dagger back in his time in Tarvalon but apparently he just went back to Shatter Logoth and it seems like they're really leaning to this idea that Matt could be I I think that they might be leaning into it I think that they're just kind of changing the corruption from the knife in the first two books to being more of a evil streak in Matt 
Um, and then yeah. once, and then I think that, so I think that this is a similar thing where mild spoilers, I guess, for the first two, two into the third book, but, um, they've already completed a lot of the storyline in the show. So yeah, right, right, right. But, um, you're just going to talk think, about the dagger. Yeah. The I think that this influence. is kind of them showing that like he wasn't fully healed from the dagger, that there's still a corrupting influence that left on him because Maureen mm-hmm. couldn't heal him completely. And so that, so this might just be a way that they're combining that part of the story with having to deal with that he couldn't be mm-hmm. in season in the last two episodes of the season. So that's kind of my read on this is that this is still, this still can work as long as they don't just go overboard and make Matt like purely evil and just have it be mostly the corruption from Shadow Logoth. Cause yeah. up until Shadow Logoth, Matt was, I think an improvement, like a big improvement on his book character, you know, like they gave him some actual emotional stake, stakes. He was funny he's charming he like uh, it was like matt after book three in season one and i like that he just after he got corrupted by the dagger he became right seems a little bit weird yeah as yeah as the book same thing with the book he becomes a shell of himself and and the evil side okay yeah it'll be interesting to see what they do obviously um season two and the whole recasting is uh yeah but a, a million people have probably um, already arrived at this conclusion so uh let's go on and talk about uh maybe like tarwin's gap action okay um bad cgi or not great cgi i was watching it on a not very good tv um so that probably didn't help my experience where i thought it was the same level of cgi that we had seen okay with, yeah at the beginning of season yeah, one i think it was the tv i was watching on i'll try and go watch it on my phone which has a better screen mm-hmm. this this like the my the tv settings were not uh, at all calibrated so that probably had an impact on my but um yeah, yeah. so I, I thought it was fine not great not terrible it was yeah. just fine and i think some people on discord were saying that uh because of covid they struggled with the uh, like actually getting this action and maybe that's why it was shorter like there wasn't a whole lot of action there was just some crossbow firing and trellux climbing up i thought fall door like the tarwin's gap wall looked pretty cool um, that was a little reminiscent of like um, the wall in Game of Thrones or like some stuff from Helm's Deep a little bit, but it's really quick. Is is kind of a, a quick scene, and then Agomar died along with like all of the Faldara leadership, which was interesting. Agomar, I mean, maybe he didn't. Maybe, maybe he didn't dead, really die. May not be dead. Yeah. I mean, he got like a javelin right through the <laughs> chest. Maybe chest? the maybe the armor. Maybe he had. Maybe he had Mithril underneath right? well it did it did talk a lot about the armor that shout out Frodo Baggins yeah but it did talk about and I didn't know if this was something I was not remembering from the books but it did talk about like that there's this armor that you know generations before had worn and he was like debating about putting it on or not his sister was helping so maybe he does have some special armor that protected him or maybe there's just going to be another mass healing effect uh, event at the beginning of season two like that seems like (laughs) the only way they can kind of fix the corner with this these plot lines i'm not i can't remember what's going on with uh with ingtar like was he the the taller bearded guy along with uno or have they not introduced him yeah yet? i think he i think he was recast though and i don't think it was ever named but i think that's who he was meant okay so then he's not dead even though we saw the fade basically kill him yeah so maybe they're just or maybe know. ingtar hasn't been introduced yet and that taller bearded guy was another character hard to say uh <laughs> 
I guess the theme of our episode eight review is we have a lot of questions and uh, yes, not and a lot of answers. That, that's why I came. That's why I came out very confused from the episode. Again, repeating that I enjoyed the viewing experience minus the scenes I've talked about so far. I overall thought the episode was well done, but just very confused about some of the decisions that were made. Okay, so now Rand and Moraine, and I guess Lan, although Lan doesn't do anything after i i was thinking okay land's gonna come in with some kind of save here it's a pretty uh, we've seen this before right like a character is told to go follow them and comes in right at the last minute like it seemed like a pretty obvious thing they were doing they did not do that which i thought was fine but you know maybe it would have been nice to see land actually do something cool because we like land doing cool things but instead it was pretty it was pretty meta this whole thing with with random brain well one more thought about land before we get into Rand is okay. I don't know why it would have been so much cooler of a reveal to have a Trollock come in or a Fade come in, Moraine try and channel and not be able to, or like even though she knows she can channel, like instinctively try and channel, not be mm. able to, and then Land comes in and saves her at the last second. Like how cool would that have been? You that know? would have been cool. And sure, and that's not, I don't know if I don't know. It just seemed weird. Like it seemed like they wanted to do more with that storyline, but maybe they couldn't. You know, COVID. But then, like, yeah, I, I'm kind of just making excuses for them at this point. <laughs> like it seems like. But you know, to be fair, it, it is tough reviewing this because we don't want to make we don't want to be making unnecessary excuses. We want to have this be an honest review. But COVID was a huge deal for this show, like a worldwide deal. Yeah, yeah, it affected. And, yeah, obviously worldwide. Yeah, it affected everything. And uh, specifically, as we talk in the context of Wheel of Time episode eight, like this was something that was a big deal in the behind the scenes. They talked about how they wanted to film the blight somewhere um, like I think off the coast of Spain and an island somewhere that had a really cool scenery. Instead, they had to build it all. I thought the blight looked okay, but maybe looked a little, you know, it looked like a set rather than actual nature, which is to be expected when it's not actual nature. So things like that are like, okay, it could have maybe been a little bit cooler, but COVID was a thing and we have to right. acknowledge that. And we are getting season two and it seems rumored that season three is confirmed. So like there's a lot of room for him. And mm-hmm. the final like quote unquote excuse is I think we forget that like these are pretty new studios. Like Amazon has not been producing content for very many years. You know sure. what I mean? Um, I know that they're partnered with Sony on established and... <laughs> but um like these are still young production companies that like yeah. are you know trying to get their feet under them so uh there's there's the our amazon shilling coming out i guess um that people <laughs> yes thank you for of. for our big money from amazon yeah that people like to accuse that. us of yeah we definitely do not get that money <laughs> um okay oh, so i guess ran and maureen now here we, here we go yeah Th- this okay was, this was my favorite part of the episode i really like this okay um but and you like okay so let's be careful how we talk about this because some people don't understand the whole thing with the Baselman dark one right yeah and it, so, it, it and like it so this is confusing in the books and it's not meant to be resolved at the end of book one it's confusing in the show and it's again i guess not meant to be resolved so let's use the term Baselman for now so I was very happy that they left this ambiguous in the show because I realized even I came away not really knowing if they're going to stick to the books or stick to the show. Now, mm-hmm. Amazon X-Ray, if you want to go spoil it for yourself, X-Ray yeah, we'll tell does, you more. <laughs> does give you a resolution. 
but I thought narratively, which is again, a very interesting decision for how they're going about the show. But, right. um, <laughs> but I thought that it was, it was cool that they left this a little bit ambiguous. Um, and I, I thought it was fun. Mm-hmm. I, I also liked that it didn't just turn into a battle, you know, um, because, and you wouldn't expect like, it to. Re- well, if you're kind of, I mean, well, at this, I feel like this first book, you wouldn't expect it to. Yeah, I was not but, expecting a sword fight. Okay, I, I was hoping that we would. I thought it was a smart decision to leave out the other two or the other Forsaken. Yeah, for sure, I agree. And I thought that it was. So I think that there were a lot of good decisions here that um, mm-hmm. maybe even improved the ending from Eye of the World in terms of our main story. And and the reason why I say I, I agree and, and Josh said it was a smart decision, I'm assuming, is because it would have been too much. To bring in two random Forsaken when Forsaken have not really been talked about at all through the season, it would have been too much. They set up Luz Theron, which was important in this episode because then it was an important thing for Rand's conflict here with Baselmon, but two Forsaken coming in would have been yeah it's all the episode was already confusing non-book readers would have been like who are these guys <laughs> exactly um and i do like that it leaned into a little bit more of the meta aspect mm-hmm. of rand actually having to choose to be selfless you know um and choose to be and, selfless and i thought it was nice people have kind of criticized rand and Egwene's relationship as it's been shown but I thought it was cool here. Rand realized that this was wrong because he's like, Egwene wouldn't want this. Like the woman that yeah. I love, this would not be what she wanted. So therefore, like I can't accept this. I thought that was cool. Yeah, it was Rand finally recognizing Egwene's agency and her her desire, mm-hmm. and th- that maybe the reasons that she loves her are the maybe the same reasons why their relationship might not work out. So I, yeah. you know, this is always I think a compelling relationship relationship that's being written. Um, much maybe even more compelling than what that relationship is portrayed in the books. Um, so bravo. That was, that was well done. Yeah. I thought, yeah. So I guess we're saying uh, the Rand Baselman conflict here was, was cool. Um, the meta fits into kind of a, you know, I'll just say the way that this goes kind of throughout the series, really yeah. like th- thematically this worked. I liked that they, pulled in some things from the books like their daughter's name was joya which was the name of the daughter that they never had and a similar um similar dream type experience later on in the series again just trying not to do spoilers but you know there are enough details here where look the people creating this show really love the books they're making an adaptation they're pulling in details as they can based off of what they've set up we didn't like some things but uh I don't think it's fair to say, you know, this is hijacking the show and this is not right. what Robert Jordan would have wanted. Like there, you can tell there's enough care taken here down to the deep. Anyway. Um, and also I liked the actor for Baselman. I thought he did yeah. a good job. Holy he cow. reminded me a lot of, uh, he looked a lot like Lucifer from the uh, Netflix show. Um, maybe just like, I don't know, kind of the suave look. Yeah, like handsome, but creepy and unsettling. Yeah, yeah. But like, it was, it was you would cool. trust it. Like like a like a prototypical, like sleazy salesman that's also like really yeah. charming. Like right. that you know you'd probably buy something from if you showed up on your mm-hmm. doorstep and then immediately regret it. Like this yeah. is, yeah. 
Um, she had a very powerful kind of just feel to him. Great performance. Yeah. The other thing I really liked about this scene was that the added tension on if Maureen was going to kill Land or kill Rand or not. Like that was, that was really well done. I know the people I was watching, especially Mackenzie was like on the edge of her seat, like fully convinced that Maureen was going to take Rand out. Like mm, it, it was, okay. I thought it, I thought it added, um, so like these are the type of things that I think do add some emotional and like some mm-hmm. suspense, emotional presence and suspense to this. So and I it thought was that pointed was out that uh, people liked the way that they showed the the vision dream type of thing that was going on with Rand and Baslamon, and then also showed the reality of like him standing up at the same time and using the Sangreal. Like that was some cool cinematic stuff. Yeah, I, I thought that whole scene was very well done. Very well planned out, well paced, great suspense and drama. And just like that part of the episode was like a nine out of 10 for me, and which is weird because that was like the bulk of the episode. And then there are these mm. other things that were just so baffling. So this episode was very confusing to me in terms yeah, of it's very up and down, very up and down. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So now Moraine, uh, the, I think the biggest thing people are talking about was, was she really, was she really stilled? Uh, what is the taker i i don't know i don't know i've i could see it either way there's i think there's arguments both ways i i don't know so i came away thinking she was stilled and being shocked that she was still um mm-hmm. but but thinking that's what they were saying in the show then i saw some arguments that it was just a tied off shield right but then have you watched did you watch matt and brandon's like watch watch through uh the, no those two, uh, uh, brandon sent, or, i did not brandon was on for that yeah, yeah. So he and okay. So Matt, that's why people said because yeah. I saw on Twitter people were saying that Brandon said that she was stilled. So while they were watching the episode, um, go watch it because I've just watched this once and I didn't really take like super good notes. But okay. Matt Hatch was like, "They just stilled Moraine," and Brandon was like, kind of nodding his head. Like, and keep in mind, Brandon mm. has read like all of season or most of season two scripts at this point, right. so he knows where they're going with this. And so during the episode, Sanderson like seemingly confirmed that she was stilled. And then like chat started to say that they thought she was just shielded. And then Brandon like backed off and being like, Oh, maybe she was shielded. But like, it Uh seemed like his first reaction was to confirm that she was. Okay. So, so we know from Brandon's writing, (laughs) we know from Brandon's writing that he likes to throw us off with things, but does he have that poker face in real life where he would... No, he doesn't. He's... <laughs> no. Yeah. I think that I've watched enough of Sanderson's content and Nintendo's lectures and heard him speak enough and stuff that I can pretty <clears throat> pretty conclusively say that um, that these type of reactions are pretty natural and he's not out there trying to throw people off the scent. Like, yeah, I think so. I agree with that. <clears throat> you know, and even when he was like, oh yeah, maybe she was shielded. Like, it just seemed like so that was was still yeah okay so <laughs> so hmm. very interesting but i guess this is when we should start start talking about series spoilers because we've gotten through the plot beats some of this might help to have full core context let's talk about let's let's just mention the sean chan first oh, okay and obviously yeah. that i think that will be a nice lead-in because that they're gonna be important for book two and okay so if you don't know the sean chan are the creepy pirates that showed up with the tidal wave at the very took, end. Took out a poor little girl just out there yeah. collecting some seashells. Yeah, dang, I feel yeah, that's that's rough right there. Yeah. 
Um, they looked cool. I was, I really liked the look of the Sean Chan. I thought that was awesome. I think that while the little girl decision was kind of perplexing, I think that the yes. imagery of like a tidal, tidal wave coming in to like uh, crash against um, against the shores of this continent, can I say mm-hmm. the name of? I guess, anyway. Well, that area, the continent is uh, is not named. Uh, fans call it Randland. But uh, yeah, which I guess now isn't a spoiler. I tried to stay away from Randland because that kind of gives away who the dragon is. Sure, yeah, right. Uh, But now we the far the far western shore was what the text said. Yeah. Um, So cool. Like that was. I think that was some cool imagery showing that they have maybe some channeling that we haven't seen before. New Mm -hmm. like different ways of channeling that they have this kind that channelers are maybe held in a different regard try not to give too much away because I yeah, think that this would sure. be easy to give some spoilers, but like they definitely are not treated like Aes Sedai are treated. Like, yeah. From and what we this saw is, this is an entirely different uh, culture that's, that's coming in here. And uh, yeah, I loved the I loved the look. They didn't look like your traditional pirates, but they had that feel to them. And uh, like, just like the facial coloring of the, like the, the orange and blue, uh, like tattoos or dust or whatever that was on their face that looked cool um i'm looking forward to seeing sean chan as a big villain in season two or you know potential i hope they villain. don't make them the, we, I don't yeah, potential spoil. villain potential <laughs> villain i hope they kind of you know make it ambiguous gray as to what's going on here with you i think they will yeah that was that was a fun scene i yeah. think it was a cool way to okay. close the season so uh yeah so let's let's do some spoilers now um if first if you haven't read the, the any books past here or don't want to hear our speculation on season two uh you can back off now but uh let's now talk about the whole stealing thing with moraine so one thing i was thinking was like maybe we could gauge if she was stilled or not based off of if she was lying but based off of what she said like she told rand that she couldn't lie and then she didn't i said i lie to lan and then she i guess truthfully told lan that she couldn't channel so i was trying to kind of like play those logic games or like one thing is a lie what is it but um the only conclusion that i could come to was that she is actually stilled and but she still can't lie and they're just removing the whole like you can't lie once you're stilled thing like that's a detail they're not going to worry about which is i guess that's fine so one maybe maybe when she told rand that she couldn't mind she didn't want Rand to know that she was still. Right? Yeah, possibly that was just a gut reaction. Like, and maybe she didn't even, maybe she didn't know. Well, I think that I was an Aes Sedai. That... I think that was her Aes Sedai training is that she didn't want Rand to have this information. Because yeah. maybe yeah. if she he finds out this person that they've kind of had a contentious relationship with so far who suddenly can't channel and is pretty defenseless, Rand might do, especially if he just ch- touched the power for the <laughs> Especially so, after she almost uh, just killed him. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, especially he has a gash on his neck from her holding a knife up to his throat. Like, yeah, yeah, uh, pretty natural reaction there. Um, I do hope, like, <clears throat> they obviously it is important that they keep that plot point of the three is not binding you after you're stilled. Or mm-hmm. I don't. Well, maybe I don't know how important that is. It's obviously important that Black Aja can lie. Like that is that is an important part of the series. Sure. <clears throat> so, um. Yeah. That needs to happen. Um, and then other mm. than that, I guess it's not that important other than just like interesting lore reasons about like the effect that the Othrod has and stuff like that. Like that stuff is interesting, but I don't know how super relevant to the plot it is. So I would yeah. be fine with making a change there. It's confusing. This is another perplexing 
thing that uh but you know at the end of a season i think it's fine to have like at least one big thing that you don't understand that's leading in like that's yeah. that's fine it's fun to speculate but yeah with the number of things that they did in this finale i think that's where we're most taking issue um i think that i like that they're giving moraine a big thing to have to now grapple with in season two because in the second book she doesn't have a really compelling storyline not nearly as compelling as the first book storyline where she's trying to find the dragon after 20 years like that's all really interesting and you got to give Roseman pike something cool to do if you want her to be on your show so yeah i think that's that's all fine uh her 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 graveling after rand for a few books or a few seasons yeah like, it's not really going to work out too well no, I think that's no. that's very simplifying what they she did in the book i'm not trying to like offend book readers by that but yeah like that her continuing to try and convince rand to follow her instructions for a few books is not very compelling yeah so have you um have you seen witcher season two uh i watched the first episode last night okay so minor spoilers for witcher season two the beginning of witcher season two i think it's unfortunate that moraine's storyline here of like being still then maybe like trying to get her magic back is going to be very similar to a storyline in witcher season two i just maybe that's just kind of unfortunate because both of those things are changed in both adaptations and we've already like seen it in the witcher uh but maybe a year has passed by the time season two of wheel of time comes out and it's fine again but if it plays out the same way um i don't know i might be a little that's kind of outside their control but it's yeah for sure take. for sure yeah, yeah i just think it's an unfortunate fair um so should, final thing a... yeah or go ahead well i was just gonna ask if we could do some ending of the whole series spoilers like all book series all book spoilers Ooh. Um, um, okay, wait, let me, I want to say your thing, but we might say yeah. that later. So if you don't want all the book spoilers, click off before I start talking. Okay. 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 So Rand walking off, this was the thing. So you hated the fact that uh, you felt like nine years, like quote unquote death was kind of cheap. I hated this. I did not like Rand walking off into the blight because it doesn't, I cannot come up with a way that this makes sense. Why would he... Okay, like, I get Rand's character is he's going to sacrifice himself at all costs and just, like, protect everyone else, and his mental health is terrible because he cannot, like, ever take care of himself. That all makes sense. I thought the decision to go with Moraine initially in, in Episode 7 was fine. However, what in the world does he think is going to happen if he walks off into the blight? Like, what is he trying to do? Is this just a kamikaze suicide mission, which actually is similar to an end of season or end of series thing that happens um but why 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 is he doing this it, i don't understand this this is this is what i hated uh, interesting i didn't i didn't have nearly that reaction I, I thought it was is it the ending of book two that he separates himself from the group uh it's mostly in book three yeah yeah so i just kind of took that they were combining that kind of start to jump towards book three mm. storyline okay I didn't mind mind it but that much. But he does that because he's like trying to fulfill the prophecies, or he's yeah. trying to like see if the prophecies actually apply to him. So type of thing. So maybe they start focusing on that. The impetus for him leaving is not. But he doesn't have any of that knowledge. Why is he? Is Luz yeah. Theron like whispering to him already? This is just I I don't understand why the character would do this. I, I well, other than the stated reason, which I was fine with, but apparently 
you know, realizing that he's the dragon and is going to kill, like, yeah. can potentially kill everyone. He saw the life that, like, I, I think that it would, I didn't have a problem but with it. But he's got to have some, wrong. Rand would always have some goal in mind, at least. He would certainly sacrifice himself and do something stupid, but he's got to have a goal in mind to try to achieve. And I don't see him having that at all at this moment. Yeah, I mean, uh, yeah, right. That, this is fair. I think I, I get that criticism. Maybe I just wasn't at that point uh, was too shell shocked by everything else that happened to really criticize that decision much, and it followed the same basic arc of the books. So I just assumed that that's what they were going for. But I think that that's a fine reaction. That's my thing. Um, like you said, I think after, especially after watching it a second time, I enjoyed the episode, but a lot of confusing things. Anyway, um, say what you were gonna say well, about the end of series. Maybe. Spoilers. Maybe I'll just talk to you guys about this in Discord and not do it on this YouTube video because I don't want to spoil things. Don't okay. Spoil. So if you want okay. that type of conversation, uh, jump in our Discord or maybe I'll mm. talk, chat about it. I like the tease. I like yeah. the tease. Yeah, yeah. Drop in the comments um, on YouTube. It's a good place to talk with us or uh, hop on our Discord, which uh, links will be provided in the episode description. Okay. Um, fine. Any like final thoughts here on the episode, and then. Uh, We'll we'll roll in our major thoughts into our season one recap, which will be yeah. a little bit later. Overall, this was a very confusing episode for me. Some parts of it were the best in the whole series for me. Some parts of it were the worst in the whole series for me. So I'm just very confused. I, you know, I haven't really watched very many reviews of it, so maybe that will help me figure out where I land. But I'm saying like a six point five, very confused six point five. That's where uh-huh. I'm, that's where I'm at. Uh huh. Yeah, I think, you know, they they decided they were going to really lean into a season two setup. Okay, fair. In the, epi- in the season finale. Yeah. Yeah, okay. Anyway, uh, we have one season of the Wheel of Time TV show. Uh, I've liked the majority of it. We'll talk more about this in our entire season review. But, uh, yeah, the episode finale was, uh, was interesting. Decisions were made. So, let the theorizing commence for the next 11 months to a year when season two comes. All right. Thanks, Steven. Okay. All right. Thanks, guys. See you later.